0: Join us now on Inspiring Word with Bishop Steve O. Asari.
1: We pray, Holy Spirit, that the will of the Father will be done. Help us and draw us close to Him. Give us the heart to receive for transformation, for change, for a building up, for knowledge of the Most High God thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Colossians 1, 28. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 says, whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Change the version. This is the version, but this. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Um, Why do we come to church? Why do we have to come to church? Why do we preach? Why all the things we do? There is an aim and the aim is Colossians 1, 28, that everyone who is um, part of what we are doing will be built up in the knowledge of God, will know God, will understand the things of God, and will grow up in the Lord and will be presented, the King James says, perfect before God. Sometimes when you see certain things happening um, in the church, you get disappointed and you ask yourself, as a pastor, are you really doing anything? Are you making any impact? Because you see the people you preach to and then you expect a certain outcome, but you don't get it and you get some other outcome then you begin to um, question yourself and even berate yourself. What am I doing? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, I think I'm preaching to me, that's why. Yes, it's, it's for me. So, there is an aim. It's just like you are a teacher... You teach um, mathematics, commerce, in SS. Then your class, the best grade was C6. Like the whole class is C6. I don't think that, I don't know. As a teacher, won't you question yourself? You question yourself. What is wrong? with me, is that what I'm teaching is not good, or I'm not able to teach well, or I have a problem, or something like that. So tell your neighbor that when you do those foolish things, they affect the pastor. Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Because your pastor thinks that he has been trying. Then when you see the outcome D7, D7E8, F9. Ah Why? All the teaching that has been done. So note this verse and keep it for yourself that him we proclaim, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Mm-hmm. that we may present every man perfect. The RSV says mature. And I think I like the word mature. Every man growing up in their knowledge of God and becoming something in the Lord. I think if you're a teacher, you'd be happy to see your students becoming something. Is that not so? It is the same thing that if, You are a pastor, you want your people that you preach to becoming something in the Lord, getting established in the Lord, knowing God, serving God, becoming shepherds, becoming pastors, and everything that can become. That is the aim of it. So let's keep the aim, and let's keep pressing on on it. And we should remember that there's nothing you do that you have 100%. By all means, some will be some way. Yes. And we are not discouraged. We press on and we believe God and we do what God wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Now, we are in a season, I'm sure some of you who are on the church's pages, would have seen something like SOS. It's not a school. It's season of salvation. And somebody may ask, why season of salvation? Every day is a season of salvation. That is true. You are right, as usual. But there is also a season or a period that you try to um, zero in or major on things that are already part of your life. For example, if exercise is good for everybody, isn't it? How many people do exercise? Isn't it? But when you go to the hospital and the, uh, I said the pastor, the doctor tells you that, look, you are suffering from this. What you need to come out of this is exercise. How many will do real exercise? Uh So although it's part of your life and somehow you try to do it, at this time it becomes critical. It's like do it or die, and in our evangelism as a church, evangelism is always part of us. We always do. We are always going out. We are always organizing souls. And uh, 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 it's, it's but there are uh, points in time also that we have our own programs. And what have you to heighten it, lift it up to another level and do it well. So we are in such a season. Wow. Are you still here? Are you in the season two? Look chapter 14, verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one accord, with one consent, began to make excuse. So maybe as I'm talking about evangelism, your excuse is coming to your head already. The scripture is addressing it. And what happened? The first said unto him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must need go and see it. I pray thee. Have me excused. We always say that these excuses are to also teach us that many excuses that are given are not real excuses. And write this down if you can write. If you want to do something, you make a way for it. If you don't want to do something, you make an excuse. Did you get it? If you want to do something, you make a way. If you don't want to do it, you make an excuse. And to also remind you that every time you make an excuse, it's also a sign that the willingness is not there. And if we are Christians, we would agree that there's a time, I mean, there was a time you had to maybe go somewhere somewhere And you wish something will happen so that you don't go to the place. If it rained. Do you see how you wish the rain will come? So that you have a good reason for not going for this church program. But when you had to go and meet that boy... You were praying that it will not rain, not that. Why it rained two days ago? It rained yesterday. Today that I'm going out to meet you, it's raining today. You are blaming God for that. So many times when we come out with one excuse or another excuse, it's only a sign that, look, this thing, we are not in it and we are not for it. But if we are in it and we are for it, we'll make a way, we'll force, we'll try. We will would, we would change something and, 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 and make things possible. No, any time you don't have a feeling, I'm talking about feeling, that means a willingness, that means a desire, that means a certain level of enthusiasm, That means zest. That means energy for certain things, especially things that have to do with church, with God, with ministry, and things like that. I mean, check it very well, because it is a very dangerous sign. That unwillingness and lack of interest and lack of zeal and lack of joy for Rising up and doing things pertaining to God, pertaining to church, is only a sign that you are not yourself. There's backsliding inside somewhere. There is backsliding. There is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or oh, is it not so? But the way you have made your faces is like, what is he talking about? Yes, I'm talking about you. Yes. It's backslide. It's not like oh and you're feeling any feeling now in your backsliding. There's something wrong inside somewhere. That's why you need prayer always. Keep yourself on course. Keep yourself in the course of the work. Keep yourself in the course of God. And keep yourself alive and on fire all the time. Because one of the, 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 one of the easiest symptoms you can see of backsliding is lack of prayer. Because when that one goes down, a lot of things die easily. Very good. Yum. Yeah. So watch your excuses. And if you are a leader, watch the excuses of your members. And you find out that it's nothing. Because this man said that, I've done what? I've bought what? A piece. I've bought land at uh, Amasama. When they are inviting you for dinner, then he say I'm going to see the land I bought Yes, in the, dinner is in the night. Dinner is not in the morning. Then you are now going to inspect land that you have bought. So it's all very clear to us in the Bible. Next verse. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excuse. So I bought a car. They used to travel like that way. We would buy cars. I bought Benz. I'm going to try my Benz. So I can't come for the dinner. Then another one too said what? Another said, I have married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. And this is the most absurd of all. Because if you have married a wife and you have an opportunity to go for somebody's dinner with your wife, is it not the best thing to do? And you write it down and after... Sometimes you show her the number of dinners you have taken her to, and this is one of the credits you have. Yeah, of course, if you have married a wife and they are inviting you, you don't even have to ask whether you can come with your wife. Any dinner that doesn't include your wife, it's not a good dinner. Don't attend, especially if you just got married. If you get dinner, oh, he'll come with his wife. So you see that the, the excuses don't carry water. Continue. So, this is our Anakazu story. And for us, anybody can, it's a book. You can read it. You can preach it. You can do things with it. But it's for us. It's for our church. Do you understand? We have certain things that are ours. It's not like nobody should use it. Everybody can use it. That's why the books are there. Free in the world, for everybody, yes. And those who want to criticize, they can criticize. Those who want to burn it, they can burn it. Only good things are attacked. Yes. If you have something that's not a good thing and it's a bad thing, nobody will waste their time to attack your bad thing. I mean, the Bible is a book that has been bent many times. They organize. General burning of the Bible so that there'll be no Bible in the world. Yes. But still, it's there. I think somebody like John Wesley, his books were burnt as well. So if you don't like it, it's a problem. And it is not a problem of the writer or a problem of the user of the Bible, it's a problem of. There are so many books that people have written in the world. Is it all the books you like? Why haven't you gone to collect the books you don't like and bend them? So many. many. There are books in the world you you won't read. You don't even like. Maybe you don't like the author or you don't like it, but the, the person says I've written and it is there. So I don't know what it is. So this is... Our, one of our main things, we call it anakazu, and it, it, it teaches us a certain way of evangelizing, which is a more effective way than our generally laid-back way of evangelism, or even no evangelism at all. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the devil will attack it. Yes, because it gives us a way of getting to unbelievers in in, in in a manner that they cannot easily resist. Yes. So the servant came and showed his Lord all these things that the people he invited, they all have reasons why they can't come. Then the master of <coughs> Sorry, it's not Corona. <coughs> the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind read and the servant said lord it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is room and the lord said unto his servant go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Wow. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So this passage is showing us two types of evangelism. And then we have to, uh, we have to say which one is effective or more effective. The first type is What? Diplomatic invitation, diplomatic invitation. So he said, "Oh, eh, there's a church. If you can come, bar. Or you go and leave uh, this thing. A flyer in the person's house, and say that, come. I mean, it's done. We do it." For some, in certain situations, that's all you can do. Actually, in some countries, you can't even do what they call a soliciting. You can't go and witness to somebody in a certain way. But we don't have that. And whilst it remains, we can use it until the day it is not there. And I pray that it will always be there. So the first type is the diplomatic invitation to important people who must come for the function. Because if you are doing a dinner, you need important people to come for the dinner. Um, You see a lot of cars parked outside there. Yesterday I went for a funeral somewhere. And when I got there, a lot of cars were parked there. But the place was very quiet. So I went inside the church. And as I was about entering, I saw that that the service was on. They had started. But I asked, where are the people? Because when I look outside, more cars than when I looked inside. Few people. So that's what I'm talking about. Your dinner, you have more cars than people. I mean, that means important people. The man drove his car, and his driver also drove the other car to follow him so that <laughs> he will show that he's an important person. So, all these important people, they wouldn't. But he said, two levels of going out. Uh, first one is um, verse um, 21. Then the master of the house, being angry, Said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the maimed and the hot and the blind, the cripples and everybody. Just look, as for my dinner, people must attend. So go out there, bring the poor people, bring the blind people, bring the, uh, the cripples and all the people out there. Just carry them and bring them into the church. Or bring them for the dinner. Collect, or which version is that? Message. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. Rather, the people who need a square meal, they are the people who are not invited for the dinner. The people they invite for the dinner, they already have square meals, and they don't care about your dinner. Those who need. That's the paradox also. So collect them. So that's the first stage. Then the seventh comes back in verse 22. Look at it, verse 22. I did all that you have commanded, and there's still room. And he said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet, there's room. Is there room in our church? Is there room in our church? So once there's room, we don't stop doing what we are doing. We keep working at it and working at it and working at it. In your life, there are rooms. <coughs> are there not rooms? Sometimes you think you have done enough of something, but there's still room for more. That's why you get C6. Don't, don't, don't look at me like that. I know you got C6, and, and that's why I'm talking about it. And you were happy with it. Yes. And yes, I just had room for improvement. There's always room. Room for improvement, room to do more. Why is that when I say C6, people are angry with me? It's a good grade, it's a very bad grade. If you get six of those C6s, it's 36. And now they call I ah, but it's good. It's not good, yeah. Who is that? This one. (laughs) Right. So, there's room. Watch your life and you will find rooms that you can fill. You can do something. Something, your prayer life, there's room. You can do better. Can't you do better? Can't you wake up earlier? Can't you stay awake a little more? Can't you join the flow prayer better? There is room for prayer. There's room to do a little more of the work of God. There's room to find source for the kingdom. And this one, just look at, it's a man who is doing a dinner and inviting people. But we liken it also to heaven. And um, the invitation and the people we are organizing to come in and also know the Lord. That there's room. Once there's room, You don't stop. Don't stop anything because, look, whatever you do, you have not hit the maximum. It's like I've hit the ceiling. There's nothing more to do. People who say that I don't know what to do and there's nothing more to do, I never agree with it. There's always some more you can do. There's always a little more you can do. There's always another step you can go. There's always one more thing you can add to it. You have not hit the maximum. have not got to the point where there is nothing. There's always something. So watch your life. All the empty rooms that you have, the, th- the places that are half-filled, they are waiting for you to be like this nobleman and give the instruction, maybe even to yourself, that there is room. So I've got to rise up and do something more Something greater to fill the empty room that is available. Yeah, there's room. There is room. Yes, there's room. Yeah. So, the Lord said unto the servant, go out now to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What is highways and hedges? Your Bible says what? Country road. So now he's almost going out of the city. Yes. They, they, they go to the road. Anybody, find them and bring them in. The most impo- important thing here is that my house must be filled. My house must be filled. We don't empty Empty space or empty room is not what God is looking for. God is looking for a house that is filled. So the word we use over here is the word compel. Do you see? So the first type of evangelism is the diplomatic invitation. And the second type of evangelism is anakazo. Because that word compel is the word anakazo. Listen, which means what? To compel, and it also means what? To force, and it also means what? To necessitate, and it also means what? Entreat. To entreat, to threaten even. It's better to threaten somebody um, um, about the fear of hell than to pamper the person to hell. Something like that. Yeah. So, we, we yeah, we do everything, but this season, we are on occasion That as many as we can reach should taste of the kingdom and of the world the word of God. As many as. 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 And and this is not the first time I'm hearing this. Certainly so. This is not the first time you've been hearing it. And you hear more of it because that is the mainstay of our gathering here. That we can go out there and reach out to souls, to people that need the lord because very soon we'll find ourselves giving account of our stewardship over here that, that's how we lived our lives here what did we do for god that's the judgment and it is coming for every one of us soon so as we talk about this and as we hear about it and as it's like something we know and something we have been hearing, let us be careful to do the things that we hear because it will not be long when we have to give account for it. So <coughs> our a season of salvation is a season of Reaching out, we have different types of programs that are in the different regions that are rolling out between this time and some other time. And every one of us, it's not for pastors, it's not for but center leaders, it's for everybody. You see. <coughs> Sorry, it's not Corona. It's for everybody to be part of this work to save souls. And I say everybody because at the judgment, it's not a church that will stand. Every one of us will stand there. Everyone. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Read verse 9. 2 Corinthians 5. Wow. Wherefore, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. We labor means what? We work. Everyone working. Everyone doing something. Everyone forcing. Everyone laboring. Verse 10. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive The things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So two things, three things are important in this place. He said, the first one is the verse nine. We labor, we work. We are working. We are workers. We are workers for God. And we are working for God. We are not working for a human being. We are not looking for somebody to come and pay us for what we do or bring us anything. We are working for God. We are laboring for God. Whatever you do, it is for God. Are you listening to me? The work you do, it is for God. It's God who sees and God who rewards. It's also a matter of faith. If you believe it, that is great. If you don't believe it, that's an issue. Then you cannot do it because listen, it's, 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 it's a matter of faith. Believing and doing. We labor. Then, number two, we are aware that very soon each one of us will appear before the judgment seat of christ now the judgment seat is not um the judgment seat is for believers it's for christians where christians will appear and everybody will be judged according to what he did that's what is in the bible in verse 10 that each one shall be judged according to what he has done in the body, whether it is good or it is bad. And remember that from verse 9, he talked about what? laboring, Working. So verse 10 is talking about the judgment of your work. Where everybody's work appears and is judged. And this morning... I am introducing to you season of salvation, which is an anakazu season. <clears throat> and, but in addition, and in, I mean, in addition to, I want you to know that you as an individual, you have a judgment with God, which has to do with what you did Or what you didn't do. That's Keith Green. He has a song like that. He's playing the piano. What you did and what you didn't do. Imagine yourself. This is the end of it. What are you presenting to God? Is that sitting in an exam room that they say five minutes more. About five questions, and why a two pair? Pe- yeah. Just answer two of the five, and it's five minutes more. Yeah, you can we on yourself. I tell you. Yeah, i, I I've, I've experienced it before. <laughs> so if you were told that your life is five minutes more. Five days more. That's how one day I I asked a question. So if you were told that you are going to die, what will you do? The person said, I'll become a full-time pastor. But I don't think that is even the case, that becoming full-time means anything. But it is what is in the heart and what is done. And you don't wait till five minutes more, then do you know why people don't do well in exams? They wait till the exam is coming, then they start learning. I have an exam next week or two weeks, then you start. That's why you get C6. Where are my C6 people? Yeah. <coughs> well, C6 means, <coughs> yeah. But this is our time to prepare ourselves for the judgment that we don't know. I see somebody who has closed his eyes and lying down like that. The thing that goes into my mind is well, where is this person? And what is happening to him? What questions is he answering? What are the issues confronting this person? Where is going? The judgment, that's what I think about. I'm not saying you are going to die, but you will. And the judgment is there. What if Christ comes? Which is also a good thing. How I wish it would be so. True. What pains me is that if I die and some of you who are somewhere, you come for my funeral and be like, oh, this time, I can't do you anything. Uh-huh. I just look on like that and allow you to. Uh-huh. But if it's uh, uh, this thing, uh, uh, rapture, then we are off. It's finished. No problem. So, think about your own judgment. What have you done? And what are you doing for the Lord? Let me read some excerpts here. Are you getting anything today? Okay. Right. I'm reading a little excerpt from this is, a final quest. Final quest is a book by a man of God called Rick Joyner. And we have studied this book, and I mean it has to do with um a vision that he had. He was taken from the earth and he went to heaven and the things he saw. This is on a chapter called Um, the white throne, and a session called Foolish Vergence. I was so ashamed I had to restrain myself to keep from from bowing down to those in the great hall, while at the same time wanting to hide myself because I felt so lowly. Then began lamenting the fact that my thoughts were just as foolish here as they were on the earth. And here everyone knew them. I felt both stained and stupid, standing before those who were so awesome and pure. Again, my old acquaintance responded to this thought. So, (coughs) he had just entered into heaven, and um, he had come through some very dark alley, and then, in the distance, he saw the glory and he entered into, to where he entered into was called the judgment hall. Now, everybody there looked so glorious. He had a vision. So he was not, uh, he was still in the corruptible body. That is the earthly body. But the people there, had put on the incorruptible, that are the people who had properly died and gone to heaven, who are the citizens of heaven. And he said, when he entered the place and saw the glory of the people, he felt so bad, so lowly and stained. It's like I'm dirty compared to these people. Then so um he said, my old acquaintance responded to this thought. We have our incorruptible bodies now, and you do not. Our minds are no longer hindered by sin. We are therefore able to easily comprehend what even the greatest earthly mind cannot fathom. And we will spend eternity growing in our ability to understand. This is so we can know the Father and understand the glory of his creation. On earth, you cannot even begin to understand what the least of these knows here. In fact, we are the least of those here. So this is the statement that this person made, and he became affected that we are the least. The guy has seen people that he feels like just bowing or lying down, or he feels bad, staying sinful, and he said, we are the least. Now, let me read a little more. He said, how could you be the least? I'm talking about heaven. How could you be the least? I asked with disbelief. Then the person there is responding, there is an aristocracy of some sort here. He answered, the rewards for our earthly lives are the eternal positions that we will have forever. Did you get that one? Did you get that? Uh, why are the people not in church? or the red red? red, red is dress, not food at this time? And on the American moon papa, a book in American kind. Or say, there's a reward, yeah? And the reward. The rewards for our earthly lives are the eternal positions that we will have forever. Eternal in heaven. Brothers and sisters, let's not think too much about the earth and what we get over here. There's an eternal position that is waiting for you. That is eternal. It never ends. Then, he said, this great multitude are those who the Lord called foolish virgins. The people is bowing to, he's lying down for, he feels so sinful and bad before them. They are what? They are called what? Yeah, the fact that you are virgin doesn't mean you are wise. Even the ten virgins in the Bible, they were foolish ones of them. We knew, listen, are you listening? We knew the Lord entrusted in his cross for salvation, but we lived for ourselves more than we really lived for him. We did not keep our vessels filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. We have eternal life, but we wasted our lives on earth. Yeah, these are people in heaven. He said, I was greatly surprised by what he was telling me, but I knew that no one could lie in heaven. If it wasn't heaven, he said, you are a liar. The foolish virgins gnashed their teeth and they are in in, in the outer darkness. And that we did. He said, then the man is responding. He said that we did. The grief that we experienced when we understood how we had wasted our lives was beyond any grief of possible. Any grief possible on earth. So, as they went to heaven and they understood that after salvation, they should have done something. And they didn't do They have wasted their life. He said they went through grief, grieving. I you are in heaven and you are grieving in heaven. It's a difficult thing for you in heaven. Said so the darkness of that grief can only be understood by those who have experienced it. Said darkness is magnified when it is revealed next to the glory of the one we filled. So you are in heaven, this is you, and this is Jesus that you have failed. And then either it is put to you or you see it, or immediately you realize that I have failed Jesus. He said. The grief was difficult. It was difficult to start with. But it became more difficult. Because it is somebody you like. Or somebody you respect. Or somebody you want to obey. Somebody you would like to do everything for. And you have disappointed that person badly. It aggravated the grief. I pray that in heaven you will not go through that type of. When we come and see you, say, I'm at the foolish virgins. You see, those who are foolish virgins on earth already, what they say is that, hey, heaven. it's a foolish way of talking. Okay. It's a what? Yes, foolish way of talking. They say, oh, it is don't go cry. I like it like that. You will not get there. Because of that thought you have, you will never see heaven before you even get the zongo to go. Because the zongo, if this one is the zongo, the guy got there and he was fascinated and carried away. Because the people he was seeing and the beauty of the area, it's like I've never seen this in my life before. So you will not get there. You'll be a dangerous person in heaven. Because you now, you didn't want to come. Yeah? You are standing among those of the lowest rank of heaven. There is no greater folly, listen, there is no greater folly than to know the great salvation of God, but to then go on living for yourself. To come here, so, do you understand that one? Do no understand who be a saved person on this earth, and still not work for the person who saved you, but go on to live for yourself? The writer is saying that the person speaking in heaven. There's no greater folly. That means Jimbiya Amrosa. You get it. So if I say it in trees, I like have insulted you. Eh? I'm I'm just translating. This is the highest form of foolishness. Come on, I've been reading a book, and it's a book. We believe it. I mean, final question, you would have heard of it if you understand. There's no greater foolishness than to be on the earth and receive the salvation of Jesus and still refuse to do anything for him. Later on, one day you'll find out that that is the highest level of foolishness that you ever exhibited in your life or entertained or allowed in your life. May God deliver us. May God have mercy on me. And may God have mercy on you too that we live in the folly of receiving the salvation and sitting down and doing nothing for him. May it never happen to you. And may it not happen to me. And may it never become our testimony. To come here and learn the reality that, and learn the reality of that, is a grief beyond what an earthly soul can experience. We are those who suffered outer darkness because of this greatest. Follies. So prepare for Bima. Bima is the judgment seat of Christ where every Christian will appear. By then, we had finished with the unbelievers. So those who will not make it, they have gone to hell already. Then those of us who say we are going to heaven, we have another judgment. And that judgment perhaps is even more grievous. Yes. Because this one is hell, straight. No problem. But you see Jesus say, hey, you did this to me. Eh? <laughs> it is what you did to me. You didn't bother. You heard about it. You talked about it yourself. But you didn't bother to do anything. And today you have come. So he said, what should I do for you? Is that how you treated me? How do I treat you now? Yeah, you didn't do it. I should do everything for you. That's where it becomes very difficult. Everyone will stand there. How do you stand there? What do you have to present before God? That's why we give ourselves the opportunities. So SOS is an opportunity to be delivered from these foolish virgins of heaven. And I pray that one day when you go up there and you appear there, they will rise up and meet you in style and say that the greatest evangelist, the greatest soul winner, the greatest apostle, and the greatest of everything has now come to be with us in heaven. They will know you. When Jonah arrived, they were saluting him and things. Then he asked them, why are you saluting me? Where do you know me He said, we all know you. You are one of the warriors of, of the last days, the last day battles. You are one of the fighters. In heaven, we all know you. May you be known in heaven before you appear. That as you are appearing, it's like they are standing. They are giving you a standing ovation in heaven before you even finally appear in the place and it's possible and from what we are seeing it is our work it's not our money our riches how much money did you have on earth how many cars did you drive Uh, where were you living none of these things but the work you present that is what will make a way for you and that is what will give you room in heaven may god help us that at least <laughs> when you appear, something would have been done. Stand and lift up your hands, everybody. We are praying for three minutes. Lift up your hands and you are praying for yourself that God will give you the grace and the ability and the zeal and the power to live, not just live as a Christian, but also labor. Second Corinthians 5, 9. 5, 9. Put verse 9 for me, please. Verse 9. So, the verse 11 says that, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because we know that if they are not saved, they are going to hell. And it's going to be terrible for them. Because we know that it is never going to be easy for people who are not saved. When we meet them and we are ministering to them, it's not like you know, if you like or if you don't like, if you like, if you don't like. That's why Nakazo becomes important. Because maybe they don't know the terror of the Lord. We know the terror of the Lord. And because we know it, we persuade. We force. We entreat. We we compare. Because, hey, there's fire at the end of the road. If you don't change your ways, and if you don't turn this way, you are going to drop in that fire and die. When you see somebody where he's going, there's fire at the end. Will you stand there and say, Mr. Gentleman, will you rather choose this road or I think this road will be better? Is that how you do it? You will stand there and say, hey, don't go that way ten everybody ten that's what we are doing that's why it's called Anakazo by truth lift your hands and pray for yourself put the verse nine there pray for yourself that God will use you to save so wherefore we labor, we labor that whether present or you, absent we may be accepted Lord. of him your labor will make you accepted of him we are reading it in the bible to be we labor of you, not to be saved, so that once we are here for myself, we'll be accepted oh gosh to live for you, to continue
2: pleasing you, and when we are not here, and
1: we are gone, we will still be accepted. We labor, we are working. Pray God for your own labor, the labor for the soul, the labor for
2: salvation, for for salvation. I am part of it. 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 I am it. 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 Lift up your hand to
1: surrender to him. Therefore,
2: we live. That's what i our absence will be accepted of Jesus. Whether,
1: whether, whether we are
2: here or whether we are there, He will be pleased with us. Whether we are here or whether we are there, God will accept us. He will be pleased with that. Pray for yourself. We are praying in testimony. Landa praying, keep praying, bahala de ro la bandaya la ba your life. life it's your eternity we daba So that will be accepted. The labor is important. The work is important. The source you reach out to is important. The highways and the byways you go to is
1: important.
2: It's all important. God is looking at all that. Your labor, your your grace, and your wealth, may you acceptable unto God. To be
3: pleased.
1: Have mercy on us. Forgive our failures. Yes, Lord. Have mercy, oh God. Forgive our failures. Yes, Lord. Have mercy. Forgive our failures. Oh, yes, Lord. We knew it, yes, Lord. but we couldn't do it well. Oh, but we are coming to you, O oh God, recognizing and acknowledging that one of these days we'll be found standing before your presence. And, O oh God, what do we have to offer? deliver us, deliver us from the grief that will go through instead of joy everybody is rejoicing in heaven but some are grieving in heaven deliver us from the grief as we set out to do your work give us the grace to accomplish it and to do it and to fulfill it and to finish it in the name of Jesus Bless your people, O God, and let the knowledge of you flow from us unto many people who are out there, O God. Let somebody get to heaven. Let somebody know Jesus. Let somebody live for Jesus. Let somebody come close to the kingdom because of our little move and our little labor that we live in. We bless you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen now close your eyes with me you are here this morning you are not born again you want to give your life to Jesus you want to say pastor pray for me I want Jesus to come into my heart I don't want to go to hell I want to go to heaven if you are here like that lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you Jesus is the answer to this life and the life that is to come. If you don't have Jesus, you are on the road to destruction. Nothing can save you, but today you can be saved. You need Jesus. The greatest need of your life is Jesus. Lift up your right hand. Up, up, up high. Up high. God bless you. Up high. God bless you. Your hand is lifted up. Do one more thing. I want to pray a special prayer for you. Come to me in front here. Right in the front. Before this pulpit. And I'm praying the prayer of salvation for you. Come. Come to Jesus. You lifted up your hand. Come. Don't discuss with anybody. Come to Jesus. Because you need salvation today. He's giving you salvation today. He's giving you salvation today. today. Come to Jesus. He's giving you salvation today. Today is the day of your salvation. I don't know what happens tomorrow, but today you are. Lift up your hands in front here and say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, say it loud, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I am a sinner. Forgive me my sins. Wash me with the blood. Please write my name. In the book of Say, thank you, Lord, for saving me today. Amen. Lift up your hands, Father. Thank you for deliverance at the highest level. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for mighty works that you have done already. As we walk out of here, we are walking in the manifestation of the mighty words. What the ordinary mind cannot comprehend. That is what God has done this morning. He has done it for you. He has done it for you too. And he has done it for you too. And he has done it for you too. Ash. Whatever was an unresolvable problem has been resolved in the realm of the Spirit, accomplished in the realm of the Spirit, decided in the realm of the Spirit, is solved in the realm of the Spirit. You are walking in the manifestation of what God has done. You are blessed going because you are walking under the shadow of the Almighty. His wings are over you. His eyes are upon you. And this week, everywhere you be, God is with you. This month is the month of his presence with you. As we go accomplishing his purpose, he's accomplishing our purpose as well. He will accomplish your purpose for you. He will make it work for you. It shall work for you because he's with you. We walk in the manifestation of the glory of God manifestation of the glory of god manifestation of the glory of god manifestation of his glory that is your portion receive it in jesus name shout a big amen shout a big amen shout and declare it is done
0: god bless you for listening we invite you to join us this sunday our Doxa service is at 7 45 a.m. and victory service at 10 a.m. Our victory prayer service is on Saturdays at 6 a.m. Like and subscribe to Bishop Steve Asari DHMM on Facebook and YouTube and Lighthouse Chapel International HQ. May God bless you and protect you.